0: Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So um, today I wanted to, to talk about the joys and burden of freedom. Because unfortunately, and maybe even fortunately, we experience both, depending on how we view it, right? Take, for example, just the past few weeks. What happened? Take Uvalde and the discussion about gun laws after that. Take Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and what happens after that. Regardless where you stand on on the spectrum with your beliefs, with your agreement, the disagreement, it relates to your sense of freedom, doesn't it? Everything we do, everything we experience is somehow connected to how we feel and how freely we feel we can express ourselves in our lives. And so today I want to go into... not sure why I'm squeezing here. Is that me or is that... The, I'm all good. So for a moment I thought COVID is back. There you go. <laughs> so today I want to talk about Freedom at a little bit more of a deeper sense, beginning with the joys of freedom. The joys of freedom from a spiritual perspective, from a Jewish and Christian perspective, all starts in one of the two creation stories that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's actually the older of the two, It's not Genesis 1, it's not the creation of the world, it's actually Genesis 2, chapter 2, about Adam and Eve, where we find a first clear reference to freedom. And it is about, oh, there you go. Come on, we can do better. One, two, three, freedom! Okay, there you go. So it's about free will. And you might remember this. I highlighted the part uh, from Genesis chapter 2. You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Metaphysically interpreted, that means that we have the freedom to eat anything we want, even to eat from that one tree. But we shouldn't, because if we did, we die. We don't die literally, but we die spiritually. And there's a lot to it, to this story. Like I said, this story is actually older, one of the oldest stories in the Hebrew Scriptures than even the creation of the world. Because the authors of that story were thinking about themselves first. Why do we exist? How came we into being? And how are we making up our own choices of free will? Before they went further to ask themselves, how was the world created in the first place? And I think that's very significant that this is one of the oldest stories that we can find in the Hebrew scriptures and as well as part of Christianity. And it tells us that we have free will. But how are we going to see this free will? And how is this free will really expressed in our lives? I mean, ask yourself, do you feel like you can do whatever you want? Yes? No? Yes, some yeses, some noes, right? So you can walk across the street when the red light is on? Of course you can. Consequences may be a little bit not to your liking, right? You can stop eating and say, I'm going on a hunger strike. Consequences may be not to your liking. So there's some limitation to the free will that we have. And the limitation has a lot to do with the consequences that our choices are going to create, right? Every choice that we make has somehow a consequence. So there are burdens of freedom. The joys of freedom are very simple. We have free will. If you look at it traditionally, you would say, God has given us free will to do whatever we want. But God also wants us to do good. In unity terms, we would say, we are free to express the infinite potential that God provides or God is. We are free to express it in any moment of our lives. We are free to choose whatever we want to do with that infinite potential. Hopefully, we use it for good. We express the goodness that we already are. But then there is the burden that comes with it. Because how do we decide what is good or bad? How do we decide whether the choice that we are going to make is actually in our own goodness and the goodness of all? It's very difficult. It's not that easy, isn't it? Sometimes we only know after the fact. So when we look at, sp- at burdens of the burdens of uh, freedom, then one thing we should look at is that the spiritual freedom that we are given, or we have, the freedom to choose whatever we want to do, is not the same as the worldly freedom that we are given. Wouldn't you say? The spiritual freedom in our mind... Coming from a place of infinite potential, we can imagine anything, we can do anything, but then we'll usually live in a society, in a community, that has certain rules and expectations. Even our community here, as small as our community is in comparison to the world community, has certain expectations. You're expected to be very quiet while I talk which is awesome, right? For me, not necessarily for you. <laughs> but, so your, your freedom is limited. That's the worldly freedom. So when we look at what Charles Fillmore, our co-founder, has to say about freedom, then one party is saying that we can never know the full meaning of freedom until we abide in the Christ consciousness. He's talking about that spiritual freedom. Until we abide in Christ consciousness, until we truly resonate and align ourselves with the divinity that we already are, without fighting against it anymore, without limiting it anymore, we can never express and experience true freedom. Now, you might think, okay, that's one guy saying this. And I like to go and go into some of the more ancient scriptures, not just a few hundred or a couple of thousand years old, but many thousands of years old. And when you look at the Bhagavad Gita, then there is an interesting verse that you can see here, where it says, Wisdom is veiled by this insatiable flame of desire, which is the enemy of the wise, O son of Kunti. So let me give you some context. Son of Kunti is Arjuna. Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita comes out of the Mahabharata, which is the most, the longest epic poem that has ever been written. It's massive. Hundreds of thousands of verses. In the very middle, the so-called climax of the story, is the war that Arjuna goes into. And Arjuna is on his chariot with Krishna, and he struggles to get into that war. And here is Krishna telling him that part of the war that we are struggling with is between the spiritual and the worldly, the spiritual and the earthly. Here it's talking about the flame of desire, the pleasure, the lust. That is the worldly aspect. Often our choices are really not connected very much to our spirituality, but they're connected to our way of getting satisfaction. When you look at your choices in your life, you can actually ask yourself throughout the day, how many times are you choosing your true self, your Christ self, the God expression that you are, and how often do you choose to satisfy a pleasure, a need, a hole in your stomach, or a hole in your heart, where you're just looking for a quick fix, rather than understanding that there is an opportunity for all of us in our lives to just simply be, be without hiding anymore. So we have these contradictions here as it seems, and yet Charles Fillmore says pretty much the same thing what the Bhagavad Gita is offering. Charles Fillmore says the only way to truly be free is to be in Christ consciousness, which is the same as tapping into the wisdom, that divine wisdom that we already have in us, and the Bhagavad Gita is saying that we need to be sure that we're not getting distracted by those outside circumstances. Now, what are outside circumstances? Well, Supreme Court decisions, shootings, as real as they are, are, in a lot of ways, outside circumstances. And they're drawing us outward. They're drawing us outward into an emotional state out of which we often have a hard time escaping. For good reason, because sometimes we need to stay in that emotional state in order to get something done, right? If we were numb to those things, if we were numb to the shootings in Uvalde, how horrible would that be? We have to be somehow engaged with what's happening in the world so that action can happen. That is truly taking a spiritual freedom and then moving it into the worldly freedom and change some of the freedoms or restrictions to those freedoms that we have. Same with those decisions that have been made lately. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're pro-life or pro-choice. Politics in spirituality don't matter much, because in the end, What it is about is going inward and say, okay, outside of satisfying my pleasures, satisfying my right to be right, satisfying my right to possess materialistic um, possessions, outside of the right of just having an opinion rather than coming together as one unit and learning to be with each other despite our opinions outside of that is that spiritual freedom. If we learned to drop the outside, sometimes we will find that we're not that different. We may be on complete opposite ends in certain circumstances, but when it comes to the core of what we truly want and truly desire in lives, We're usually very, very close. Which brings me to the second burden, which is the receiving of the consequences of our actions. (laughs) That's something that's very common in Buddhism and Hinduism, to understand that every action has a reaction. And I'm sure most of us are familiar with that too, right? There's an action that we take And usually there's a reaction. I just recently uh, listened to a Swami, and he was saying, just talking about this uh, very topic, and he said, if I slap someone in the face, I have the freedom to do so. That is not the problem. What is the reaction going to be? Are they going to slap me in the face as well or do something even more to me? And in a lot of ways, sometimes it feels to me that the discussions we have about certain political issues are an action and reaction to the reaction and another reaction, another action and another reaction. And it seems like we're spiraling not upward, but we're spiraling downward because we're looking for the pleasurable worldly freedom rather than the true freedom within ourselves. So we are free to make choices, absolutely. Spiritually and worldly speaking, we can do whatever we want. I can take my shoes off right now. Would you necessarily like that? No, but I can. I have have the choice to do that. But I am not free from the result of the consequences. So whatever I choose to do, I may say, well, I'm free to do so today. And then when the reaction comes, I may like to play the victim, not finding a direct connection from one to the other, rather than actually understanding that often the reaction that's happening seemingly to us is actually happening from us. Like I said, the Swami If he would slap someone in the face, what is the most likely reaction that he or she will get? It's very simple. Another thing is, we're also often bound, or seem to be bound, to the world of morality that we often express through heaven and hell, the concept of heaven and hell, concept of karma, or samsara, which is that endless cycle of birth and rebirth, right? It seems like often our choices are dependent on those ideas. If you believe in karma, you make good choices because you don't want to end up as a cockroach in your next lifetime, right? Everyone remembers how to be a cockroach from previous lifetimes? No? Okay, it's not fun. No, I have no idea so but that's you know that's one of the things that you could end up in a in a lesser life if you have too many bad choices throughout your current life but it's a it's a, a, a system that they have in Hinduism that often is criticized as being control system from the religious body similar to heaven and hell the idea of heaven and hell traditionally speaking, is if we are good throughout our lifetime today, then there's a good chance we end up in, he- in heaven, right? And if we are not doing good in our lifetime, then we end up in hell. What is that movie again that is so beautiful, Meryl Streep, and um, uh, where they count points? Meryl Streep, something with heaven, they end up in a, in a in between, and then, um, never mind, I thought you would help me out with that, <laughs> it's an excellent movie, say again, is it Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks and Mel, yeah. Shell Street, remember, yeah, where they both end up, and she's all the hero, and all that, and she's, hmm, defending my life, there you go, here's the here's rabbit hole for you defending my life right so he is trying to make it look like that he has done all these wonderful things but he was kind of more of a selfish person and she uh, you know was the hero basically that's the traditional concept that we grow up with that's the idea how some believe religion holds us at bay in terms of our choices And so we have heaven and hell, which is basically the same idea as karma, the same idea as samsara. And it's very common in all the religions, and it's all based on our worldly freedoms. And then we have the idea that ultimately we're enslaving ourselves by our own attachments, often through materialism. And Emily Cady, some of you may know of her, she was one of the very early Unity writers. She talks about the idea of bondage, that we are bonding ourselves to our attachments, and that is causing us to be in so much pain. So those are all some of the burdens that we can think of that we have and that we experience throughout our lives. There's a story that goes along with that, again from, uh, I believe it was a Buddhist story, where there were two people sitting in a cave, both were chained. One was chained with those rusty old chains, still very much strong, didn't look good, was very sad, very unhappy. The other one was chained with gold, his chain was all made out of gold. And the one who had the chain out of gold looked at the one with the rusty chains and kind of pitied them, not realizing that he was still chained up. And I love that because in a lot of ways, if we are not learning to stand into our spiritual freedom and spiritual truth, we continue to be chained onto our own pleasures, our own attachments, our whims, trying to make ourselves feel better. And some of us may have rusty chains, others have have golden chains. That's how, actually, in the Eastern philosophies, we explain how some people are a little bit more well-off than others. But all of them are equally bonded by their limitations. So what are we going to do what are we supposed to do to freedom to get freedom very good this is from uh, a different Vedic scripture that ultimately gives us an idea very much a Hindu idea but if you study scripture a little bit more closely, this actually has been woven into Hebrew and Christian scriptures as well. It's from the Bhagavad Gita Purana, which is one of the eight Puranas that are very popular in Vedic uh, scripture and tradition to read. And it says, One who is enriched with good qualities is actually said to be rich. And one who is unsatisfied in life is actually poor. A wretched person is one who cannot control his senses, whereas one who is not attached to sense gratification is the real controller. One who attaches himself to sense gratification is the opposite, a slave. So forgive the old language here. Remember, that's thousands of years old and uh, not necessarily politically uh, correct or appropriate. But again, the idea, very Eastern... Idea is that as long as we are attached to our senses, attached to the need to satisfy our pleasures, we will never be able to be in control of our spiritual expression. We will never learn to be the true seer, a true Christ, the true expression of who we are. And if you just think of some of the stories you remember from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament or the New Testament, the Christian Scriptures. You actually see that some of this is woven into the stories. Look at Jesus Christ's stories in the Gospel. A lot of what Jesus is saying and responding to has to do with letting go of our senses and starting to be in control with what is actually true it's different it's it's written differently it's manifested differently in the Gospels of course but ultimately it carries the same core another thing that Charles Fillmore says on the freedom says without prayer and spiritual meditation there can be no concept of spiritual freedom and therefore no demonstration of it now this seems very limiting possibly to some of you of oh i have to pray and meditate and otherwise i'm doomed in a way yes but you have to expand your understanding of what prayer and meditation is meditation is not just sitting down in the lotus position and doing some of the complex mudras with your eyes closed and humming mantras all day long. You know, meditation can be walking in the woods, quietly by yourself, or just watching a really good movie and being so completely present in the moment and enjoying every moment of absorbing the message of that movie. That can be meditation. Prayer can be changing your thoughts about yourself and others just ever so slightly going from i am not good enough to i am a wonderful lovingly and beautiful being that is what prayer and meditation is about but it is in fact the only way we can truly experience freedom is by practicing a new way of seeing ourselves and others. Again, the Bhagavad Gita has something to say about this. But he who is self-disciplined, who moves among the objects of the senses with the sense freed from attachment and aversion, and under his own control, he attains to grace. That's another way of saying to be in prayer and meditation. What does prayer do? What does meditation do? Even if it's in its simplest form, it gives us an opportunity to remove ourselves from that constant drawing outward to satisfy senses and going a little bit the other direction and starting to be detached from pure sensory experiences and just learning to be, be, the be, being the being that we always were to be. And finally, this is really the main scripture that I used last year on 4th of July. And hopefully it makes a little bit more sense today to read this and think of it as Jesus coming from a place of absolutely understanding what it means to be spiritually free. Which has very little to do with the circumstances that we are in, or how much worldly freedom that we currently may experience. And he is saying to his disciples, if you continue in my word, and remember word is <clears throat> translated uh, from logos, the Greek word logos, and which also means truth. So if you continue in my truth, The truth that I demonstrated to you over the past, let's say, one to three years in my ministry. You are truly my disciples. Remember, disciples are followers with love. To be a disciple, you have to be in love and follow a practice, not a person, but a practice. You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and that truth will make you free. There you go. I thought you were so happy with this. There you go. (laughs) Awesome. So, the joy and burden of freedom is that the joy is that we can do it all. The joy is that we have free will, and we can make those choices within the confinements that we allow us to give, and that is the burden. The confinements we allow us to give, the confinements we live, the society we choose to live in, the rules that we choose to comply by, that's the burden. Now we can change the burden and make it less hurtful, less harmful, and we can choose to become more and more spiritually free despite having to follow the many rules and regulations that we have to follow nowadays. But it is important that we remember that there is a difference. And whenever we feel bonded, we feel somehow limited. We may look at our own chains. Maybe they're golden, maybe they're bronze, maybe they're rusted and realize that we are the only ones who can free ourselves from that kind of bondage. Through the consistent practice of being what God has in store for us, if you want to see it traditionally, God is goodness. And because we are one with God, we are that goodness And the more we remember through prayer, meditation, walking in the woods, being kind to each other, uh, having a, a wonderful time with your friends, all those things are adding to our ability to express goodness in our lives. And that is the joy of freedom we get to experience despite the burden that we might sometimes feel. And so with that, let us move into our meditation for today. So we're putting into practice what we learn by meditating together. Just take a deep breath and allow the breath to bring that important oxygen and spiritual truth to every fiber of your being. And continue this deep breathing as your commitment to your freedom. With every inhale, you remember the truth of who and what you are. And with every exhale, you dispel of anything that stands in the way. we can only experience true freedom. It's through the presence and surrender to Christ consciousness. For that to be true for us right now, we must learn and realize that we are that are the I am that I am. We are a spark of that God speaking out of the burning bush. We hold the same essence of Christ that Jesus demonstrated so well for us. We tap into the wisdom of Krishna, extended to Arjuna. We already are the Buddha and his consciousness. We release our suffering by letting go and forgive. Remember that Paul, the apostle who wrote so many beautiful letters, keeps reminding us that the will of God is expressed through us and with us and from us in Christ Jesus. What that means that we have become and have always been and we always be very much a part of that will of God. We essentially make up the freedom that we seek. We partake in the essence of peace that we desire. We are the Christ-expressing As we breathe and allow ourselves to relax, we shut the door and pray in secret for the things that we truly desire. We recognize our ability to be perfect Joyful to be free. So, as we turn away from our senses and allowing our attachments to be freed and let go. recognize our opportunity to be present in God to be present in Christ and to be present in the truth of who and what we are we give thanks through the many ways we can express ourselves in more meaningful ways We give thanks for the many actions we can take to change this world into what we perceive it needs to be. We give thanks for the many teachings that guide us and our willingness to be at one with all of us. image and in the name of many that have come before us who have known the truth we pray and meditate and so it is amen thank you for listening to the unity fort worth podcast you just heard this week's message and meditation for the live streams and more information Go to unityfortworth.org.